Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the rest stop. It's Tuesday, February 23rd, 2021, and we're live in Las Vegas. Myself, Spencer the Wiz, joining you tonight. Got a good show. Make sure you stay tuned. Uh, former Colorado Buffalo national champion, first round draft pick of the Atlanta Falcons, Mike Pritchard will join the show any minute now. And of course, uh, the big story in sports today, Tiger Woods, a car accident in the hospital, two leg surgeries, uh, pretty much put this sports landscape on hold to cover this story. So, of course, we have to get into that. Going to get into with Mike as well, a little bit of Raiders talk, uh, some GOAT talk, Tom Brady. And I really would like to get uh, some thoughts from MP about Vincent Jackson, who just recently passed away in the men- mental health pandemic uh, going on in this country and especially professional sports. Uh, so make sure if you're joining us, make sure to support the show. Download the Twitch app, www.twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football. Uh, the rest stop will be underneath there. And also go to chrislandryfootball.com and support the show. Any of the podcast platforms, you can get the audio version as well under Landry Football Conference Call. Joining me as always, Spencer the Wiz. You can follow him on Twitter at Spencer the Wiz and myself on Twitter at Brad the Believer. Spence, great to have you on Tuesday. It's great to. Uh, it's always great to be here on the show. I always have a great time. Been playing a lot of our clips on my show, so you can actually bail me out when I'm trying to make up for time. <laughs> awesome. Well, without further further ado, right on time as usual, as classy as they come. Uh, MP Mike Pritchard, follow him on Twitter at mi Pritchard. Uh, former first round pick of the Atlanta Falcons, Las Vegas local. You can catch his shows. He does multiple shows here in the Vegas Valley on nine twenty a.m. Uh, Raider Nation Radio. Uh, Pritching Clay in the morning and then betting across America in the afternoon on the Visa Network. Thanks for a couple minutes, Mike. And hey, no problem. Great to be here. 
Well, I wanted to start off with uh, some talk about Vincent Jackson because it was in the news recently. Uh, He passed away so young, 38 years old. If any football fan, even as young as you, Spence, remembers Vincent Jackson not that long ago was in the league catching touchdowns for the Chargers and his career with Tampa Bay. Uh, And Mike, of course, a little bit of a pivot in the sports news because the huge news today with Tiger Woods' car accident, we don't know all the details, but of course, uh, most would consider the greatest golfer of all time still active playing, chasing Jack Nicholas in the majors. We don't know the details of what happened, but I think we could kind of tie this all together because Tiger Woods, uh, we know has had his battles with, with certain things, whether it's substances, whether it's relationship issues in the past. And to me, it all kind of ties in, into play. Um, so the, the first question I want to have to you, Mike, is are we doing enough as sports leagues and in society to address mental health as a, as a whole. I can go through the laundry list of people that have been affected not only on the field, but off the field, some that have lost their life from Junior Seau, Josh Gordon, who's been in and out of the field. Antonio Brown had his issues. Uh, the list just continues to go on. It's really becoming a huge issue, especially in the NFL. Well, it's in society too. I mean, I think um, we try to do enough. We try to make awareness or create awareness. Uh, we try to have sinners. Uh, we try to educate. Um, we also try to... Uh, reach out, you know, um, you know, mental health is, is one of those uh, societal issues that uh, it's got to be receptive. You know, I, I think, uh, and I don't know much about it, fellas. I really don't. Um, fortunate um, that, that it hasn't affected me from that standpoint, but I do want to educate myself because I know of people that might be suffering. You, you know, of people that, that might be going through some trauma. So, uh, I'm definitely on the path of educating myself. So um, I, I think from that standpoint, maybe that's what we can do. You know, as a society, just educate ourselves as much as we can. Uh, and then maybe we would be uh, privy to some of the signs or, or or get involved early enough before it's too late. And that's really the main uh, the main purpose, I would I would imagine, to be the, the purpose is like, let's get there before it's too late. And uh, unfortunately, it's been too late. Uh, a lot of people have been too late and, and people have passed away from it. Uh, th- there's definitely a big swirling uh, around CTE with this situation, Mike. And that's a huge issue, especially in contact sports uh, with the head injuries and in correlation with, uh, you know, athletes at a professional level. A lot of right. times you'll hear guys talk about, especially on Twitter. I heard numerous guys, Ryan Leaf, Greg Camarillo talking about uh, players sometimes lose a little bit of purpose. Their identity is with the game of football and revolves around sports. Mm-hmm. Mike, how have you been able to navigate your life after football? And on top of that, uh, have you been in a locker room situation where maybe you've seen somebody that really needed uh, just an ear to listen to, someone to talk to, a mental health day where it's like, okay, I, I need to take a, a break here. And, and how did that really transpire in, in the locker room and how did they get support from their teammates? Yeah, I mean, just last night uh, I was with a former teammate, um, just having a uh, a beer and watching the uh, Knights game, and um, you know, just hanging out. Uh, but uh, he's going through some stuff personally with his family, and um, you know, it was one of those times when you, hey, you got time to hang hang out, and he did. And so um, I, I think it was refreshing, you know. And that's what I mean. Like, if you can sense somebody going through something, some, somebody being bothered with an issue, it, it doesn't matter what it is really, but, um, and, and just lend an ear or lend your time. 
uh, and reach out. I mean, that that gesture right there, I think, could make be be a, a difference making gesture uh, and make a lot of difference. You know, because a lot of times I think people uh, feel isolated, uh, they feel confused, um, and they're looking for help, but they just don't know how to find it. So, personally, I've never been involved with anybody in a locker room, uh, but for myself. Um, I've, I've always used the analogy that football, uh, whether it was a decade or not, was about an inch of my life. And I still had, you know, many more inches to live. So, um, yeah, football was a small a part of me. It wasn't all of me. And, and I think that has helped me kind of cope um, from the separation of all that adulation and all that celebration and all that fame. Um, I, I don't need it. Right. And, and, you know, some guys, they thrive on the attention. I'll be honest with you. I think uh, a lot of players, a lot of athletes, uh, they get caught up in, in their brand and, you know, how popular they are and how famous they are, how much money they got. Uh, and a lot of times they get lost. But uh, if you have some some family and some friends and certainly if you have other aspects of your life that you want to achieve and you want to aspire to, then that can also drive you as well. So. Uh, for me, that's that's been an easy transition from being a professional athlete to what I'm doing now. Mike, when did you have that mindset? How how were you ingratiated to that type of mentality that I'm going to prepare for life not only with football but uh, mm -hmm. without football and after football? Well, I think it was the fact that I felt like I stumbled upon football. Like mm. um, I was heavily recruited. You know, I was you know recruited by everybody, and then uh, once I got to see you. Um, you know, you kind of get lost in a shuffle with some stars, you know, Alfred Williams, Eric the Enemy, Canavis um, uh, McGee, I mean, uh, Greg Beekert, you know, all these amazing football players, Darren Hagen. Um, so when I got the attention that I was starting to get, it wasn't until my senior year. Um, and then once I started getting that attention, uh, that's when it dawned on me that, hey, I could have a professional career in, in the National Football League. Uh, but I was preparing to be uh, a stockbroker on Wall Street, to be honest with you, man. I was going after an economics degree, and, and I had this, my, my whole life planned out. And, and so football got in the way uh, of that plan. So I detoured for 10 years, and then I got back on the original track that I uh, planned out for myself as a youngster. Mike, I'm glad you mentioned uh, your economics background because I want to pivot into to a couple of questions that are off topic. And this is Mike Pritchard joining us. Follow him on Twitter at M.I. Pritchard. You can check out his show, Pritch and Clay, every morning on 9.20 a.m. Raider Nation Radio. Mike, were you able to, to follow this whole boom with, uh, with Dogecoin and then also with uh, GameStop, that whole flux mm. in the market. And, and did you have your eye on that? And that was pretty wild. Have you seen anything like that before? I have. I have, believe it or not. Um, I, I didn't participate in that stuff because I'm so busy with Raider Nation Radio and uh, VSIN. So uh, I, I wasn't able to participate in the short squeeze with uh, GameStop and, and some others. I, I think uh, there was a couple other companies involved with that, but uh, it, I don't know if you remember the dot-com bubble at, in 2000. So in the year 2000, uh, what happened was there was a dot-com bubble. Um, when you had Yahoo and, and all these dot-coms uh, coming online and, and, and getting the IPOs and becoming public companies, even though they weren't profitable. And so I was in the midst of the rise and, and, and the expansion of the bubble. 
and if anybody mentioned the stock, it would go up, you know, 2000% in a day, you know, it felt like that anyway. Um, and then the bubble burst. And so the ride down was just as, uh, as lucrative. So I, I was fortunate enough to be involved with a couple of companies that we actually seeded Google uh, from a, from mm. a investment standpoint. So uh, yeah, you get in on the ground floor there and you go through the IPO process and uh, that was that was fun. Those days were fun, but uh, they were also a roller coaster. So you needed to be careful, just like everybody had to be careful uh, just a few weeks ago. Spence, we might have to clip that one there of uh, Pritch getting in on, <laughs> in on the seat of Google. That's impressive right there. Mike Pritchard joining us. Uh, Mike, let, let's revisit Super Bowl 55 in Tampa Bay. Tom Brady does it again. Seventh Super Bowl victory in 10 appearances. And me and Spencer have been on this show talking about, uh, you know, the greatest athlete of all time. But I want to more so talk about how just the presence of somebody like a Tom Brady elevates an entire team. I'm a firm 100 mm -hmm. percent believer in this philosophy. Uh, I, I can correlate it to so many things just in everyday athletes life, just playing pickup game basketball. Uh, we got a former NFL player, Travis Taylor, that plays with us. and You're on the same team with a guy that played in the league, you're just step up your game. You don't want to look like a chump in front of a, a pro player. You want to prove your worth. And it's the same mentality of an athlete. Tom Brady walks into a locker room. He has a cachet and, and you're not going to be the one to screw it up. Look how that offensive line played late in the season. These guys were dialed in. Uh, am, am I going too far overboard here, Mike, or is there something to this? No, there's a lot to it. Um, in fact, uh, if you think about the entire year for the Buccaneers, I mean, they struggled. Uh, there were some games when they did not look like a Super Bowl team, and uh, there were some close games in which, okay, are they going to pull it out? Are they going to win this game? And um, I, I think what you're mentioning is the confidence and the belief that you can actually do it. And that's what Tom Brady brought. Like, uh, you had a bunch of very, very talented players in that Buccaneers locker room, uh, but they didn't know their path towards the Super Bowl. They didn't know how to do it. They didn't know how to accomplish it. Um, they've been told about it. Maybe there's a couple players on that team that have won a Super Bowl, like JPP and, you know, and Dominican Sue has been to a Super Bowl, uh, certainly, but uh, Shaq Barrett has won a Super Bowl as a backup player behind Von Miller. But uh, you didn't have that key player like Tom Brady, um, who was a leader and, and who was the beacon that was going to lead them to the promised land and, and, and win that championship. So uh, I think the presence of a, of a, a competitor like that uh, made the entire difference, made all the difference for that football team. And we saw that at hot after the bye week. Uh, and we saw that as they believed put against Drew Brees that they were going to win that game. On the road against Aaron Rodgers, they were going to win that game. And then uh, you win the game in the Super Bowl. You know, even Washington, the first playoff game, uh, that was a little bit of a struggle. But once they uh, overcame that first hurdle, uh, I think it became easy for that team because they started to develop a high level of confidence. Mike, I think when we look back at this run of this year with Brady, his first year in the NFC, first year with head coach Bruce Arians in the Bucks franchise, and we see him go through a Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, a Patrick Mahomes, not him personally, but the team, uh, it's going to really put even more historical value on this season. And the, and the wild thing is, Pritch, is he's not done yet. He's still got more football left in him. And he's just building a legacy that's second to none. And it's it, it's... I appreciate it. 
I know a lot of people have Brady fatigue, but I, I enjoy historical sports feats. And I don't believe we'll ever see anything close to this in our lifetime in football. I think possibly LeBron has an opportunity to start to build something close to this as far as championship appearances and championships go. But as far as NFL goes, you don't have seven games in a series, Pritch. It's one game, 60 minutes. You've got to have your best yeah. effort and get the win. Well, first of all, he's going to be 44 this year. I mean, think about that. Mm. Uh, what George Foreman did he win a championship when he was 44 or something like that you know one of one of those belts when George Foreman came back and and was a big George Foreman in the or earlier George Foreman um think about any sport I mean golf is different uh, you know I, I think you, we've seen you know the Jack Nicholas's of the world when when majors uh you know in their 40s um tennis I, I don't believe there's been anybody in that sport um, basketball, look, you're, you're not LeBron James, you're not a star, um, you know, in your 40s. Uh, baseball, yeah, I mean, we've seen Henry Aaron and others play into their 40s and uh, play at a high level. But Tom Brady won the championships playing quarterback in the National Football League uh, mm. and going to be 44. I mean, it really is unheard of what he's doing right now. It really is. Um, do, do you what, what do you think about the Bucks' yeah. chances next year? It's, it's a tough NFC conference, and teams are getting better. But can he go again, twice right. in a row? I think he can. You, you know, one thing that we saw was, even though Tom Brady didn't light up the the stat sheet, um, he threw a number of touchdown passes. I think it was three touchdown passes he threw in that game. So, you know, look at the Buccaneers and what they were about. They were about that defense getting after Patrick Mahomes, but then making plays on offense and sustaining drives and, and capitalizing when you're in scoring position with touchdowns. And, and Tom Brady was very efficient that way. So they, had, they didn't really have to rely on him. So imagine if Tampa Bay gets to a point next year or this year in which they're a running football team. Okay, Tom, you throw the ball every once in a while, maybe 25 times a game. Uh, but we're going to control the clock because we got a hell of a defense. I mean, imagine that. And, and so with the talent that they have on their team, yeah, I mean, I absolutely see uh, Tom Brady leading the Buccaneers to another championship. Pritch, let's pivot over to the AFC conference. And before we finish off with some Raiders talk, I want to talk about your old stomping ground, Denver, the Denver Broncos. <laughs> I'm a little familiar with their new GM, George Patton, mm -hmm. spent over 14 years in the Vikings franchise, the new general manager. Um, I, I He turned... Pritch, he turned, you probably know this, he turned down a lot of jobs before taking the Denver job. Last year, he was in consideration for the Cleveland Browns general manager right. position, turned it down. Uh, the Detroit Lions, the Philadelphia Eagles, he loves the fit in Denver. And I can't really blame him. There's a lot of nice young talent in the skill position for the Denver Broncos. Personally, I think Drew Locke uh, sh should and probably will never start another game for Denver. That's my personal opinion. Um, but I heard you talking a little bit today on VEASAN to Mark Schlereth about the possibility of Denver acquiring Deshaun Watson. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, George Patton is not going to give up a King's ransom for Deshaun Watson. He will try to be very meticulous and try to find good value if that's the guy he wants. Uh, if you were the GM, Pritch, is Deshaun Watson a guy that you'd be eyeing to take the Broncos to the next step? It's a great question, Brad. I, I think if you think about the Broncos history, um, they have never won a championship with the quarterback that they drafted. Um, so John Elway was a trade. 
mm-hmm. Peyton Manning was, you know, free agent after being released. Um, I, it's not beyond the Broncos for, for doing something like that, pursuing Deshaun Watson. But, but I agree with you. I, you know, Mark Stink, uh, Mark Schlereth on, on the show today was talking about that even with Deshaun Watson, the Broncos are still complete. And, and I believe that, you know. Um, they've been so thirsty and hungry for a quarterback out there in Denver that they think a quarterback's going to solve all their problems if we get a great one. Uh, and, and I think uh, Broncos country has been spoiled that way because you had John Elway for, my goodness, 83 through 2000. And then uh, you had Peyton Manning for uh, the, the second half of the 2000, 2000 what, 12 through 2015. So, I mean, it's been, it's been great from that perspective for, for Broncos country and Broncos fans. But uh, it, it is hard and, and tough as they're finding out to draft and find uh, the next great quarterback. And so they want to take the shortcut uh, and try to acquire Deshaun Watson becomes available. But I, I agree with you. I do not think uh, the new brass there in Denver is going to uh, sell the farm. Uh, I think, you know, if anything, that job became att- attractive because they do have so much young talent. Uh, and so now it's just time to develop that young talent and then bring in some other talent and hopefully get hot with the quarterback selection as well. Pritch, last question about the Broncos. Vic Vangio, the head coach, of course, the media is talking about uh, the relationship so far good between George Patton, the GM, and Vic Vangio, the head coach. Uh, I'm not buying it, Pritch, uh, and this is why. There's zero connection between George Patton and Vic Vangio from their past, and we know that general managers and front offices like to bring in their own guys. I'm a firm believer that uh, if the Denver Broncos don't win at least eight games this year, there will be a head coaching change. Uh, do you disagree or agree with that or have any thoughts about maybe uh, what George Patton may be working for the future of the Denver Broncos? Yeah, I totally agree with what you said. I mean, I think um, John Elway, before he stepped up uh, to president of football operations and, and him tag, um, he pretty much secured Fangio for the year coming up. And when he said, hey, yeah, George, uh, uh, he's coming in, but yet Vic Fangio, is going to be um, uh, our head coach this year. And he did that prior to uh, Patton becoming the GM. So that saved Vic Fangio from what you just alluded to, uh, you know, Patton coming in and wanting his own guy. But you're right. I think if, if it's not going the right way, uh, then sure. Uh, I think the new GM is going to have autonomy to, to make changes. So, yeah, this might be the final year of uh, Vic Fangio in Denver. If he doesn't win at least eight games or, or maybe get to the playoffs, it might be that strong of a campaign for Vic Fangio. Yeah, we've got that uh, extended wildcard spot in both conferences. So we'll see if Denver and, of course, our own Las Vegas mm-hmm. Raiders can make that noise. And Spence, uh, jump on here as we finish up with Mike Pritchard. Follow him on Twitter at MI Pritchard. We're going to talk a little Raiders here real quick before we let Mike get out of here. Uh, Spencer's a diehard Raiders fan, Pritch, and he is not – completely pleased with the direction the Raiders are going and okay. especially Mike Mayock. Uh, Spence, please jump in and, and, and fire away at Pritch. Well, I mean, I guess we could just start the conversation of what your opinion on Mike Mayock's job has been. To me, it's been a complete disaster class, but maybe you see it a little differently. I know he drafted Max Crosby, but if that's the number one accolade that this guy's had as the GM in the past like two, three years, that's probably not very good. Yeah. You know, Spence, um, I've heard nothing but excuses, to be honest with you. 
uh, with the Raiders. Like, um, they drafted Damon Arnett in the first round, Henry Ruggs in the first round. Now, to me, first rounders are supposed to come in uh, and be impactful because I was one. And so uh, you come in, you be impactful, you make all rookie, and then you help the team get to the playoffs. I mean, that was my rookie year. And, and I think from an expectation standpoint, uh, when you go through the draft process, that's what a lot of fans believe should happen. Uh, so you should never hear from your franchise that your first rounders are young and they need to develop because why did you draft them in the first round then? If they need to develop, Henry Ruggs only had three years in college. So don't draft him in the first round. If Damon Arnett someday will be great, well, don't draft him in the first round, right? Uh, so when you we miss on first round choices, you know, you can throw in, Cleve Farrell, you know, you can throw in Jonathan Abram a little bit. Uh, and you're waiting and buying time for those players to make the impact. I think people can get impatient. because expectations and results, they're not, they're not meeting. They're not equal. Uh, so that's what the Raiders are going through right now. Uh, I think Gruden and Mayock have a plan. Um, but the position about the plan, though, fellas, is that Raider Nation is running out of patience because it's been what one winning season uh in the last 18 years is incredible to think about uh so they might be on a four-year plan or a five-year plan of getting to the playoffs but but i don't know if a Russian radio or a raider name have uh, patience uh to wait five years i think they want result now Prince, that's exactly what's what Spencer thinks. He he thinks that it's a four or five year plan. Uh, so Spence, it looks like you and Pritch could be reading each other's mind there. Yeah. No, no, th- there is no plan for the Raiders, in my opinion. Uh, Cleveland Farrell, Jonathan Abrams, uh, Corey <laughs> Littleton will probably not be on the Raiders in three years. The only good, the last good draft picks the Raiders have had, in my opinion, is Colton Miller, mm-hmm. and he wasn't even drafted. He was drafted by John Gruden. More Mike Mayock wasn't on the team just right. quite yet. Uh, so I have one more, just one last question about the Raiders. Cause I, I do scouting yeah. through the first four rounds of the NFL and I know who the Raiders should pick. I don't know if you've done any yeah. scouting, but uh, do you have any opinions on someone mm-hmm. who the Raiders might or should be looking at in the first round? Or yeah. even if Devonte Smith maybe run uh, falls to them, should they take him or one of the impact defensive players? Wouldn't that be crazy to think if, if Devonte Smith did fall <laughs> uh, and the Raiders select him, like why why did you draft Henry Ruggs the third night and Jerry Judy was right there or Justin Jefferson or somebody like that was there. But, um, and you know, the thing about it, Spence is, you know, most people that evaluated talent, those guys can run too. They might not run a four, two, but how many times do you use a four, two in the national football league? Uh, but can you get open? Can you create separation? You catch the football in traffic. You know, so those are some of the things that Henry Ruggs needs to work on. And, you know, you think those other receivers, they already possess that. Um, so you might be right on that. Um, I, I think from a draft standpoint, uh, I, there's nobody that tr- stands out. Uh, there's a linebacker from Notre Dame. Um, his name escapes me right now, but everybody's been high on him. But I'm like, is he going to be out Corey, Corey Littleton? Is he going to be out any linebacker as a rookie? And I don't think he will. Um, so to me, that 17th pick probably has more value if they trade down or if they package it for a trade with some premium player that they can get on the defensive side of the ball. That's Love Mike it. Pritchard. 
Follow him on Twitter at M.I. Pritchard. And, of course, Raider Nation Radio every morning, 9.20 a.m. Pritch and Clay. Mike, I really appreciate a little time. Thanks for catching up. We'll get back with you on the flip side. Have a great one. Hey, you too. Enjoy the night, guys. Thanks a lot, Mike. That's Mike Pritchard, former national champion of Colorado Buffaloes. First round pick in 1991. The Atlanta Falcons appreciate a little time for Mike Pritchard. Spence, jump back on here. Uh, I was a little surprised to, to see Pritch kind of along the same lines as you, saying the Raiders need a lot of work to get to where they want to go and where Raider Nation expects them to go. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think I, I like his optimism. The fact that he thinks they have some sort of four to five year plan. Uh, in my opinion, they have no idea what they're doing. I fully believe that they thought Cleveland Farrell, Jonathan Abrams, uh, Damon Arnett would be a bit, like good and ready uh, day one. And of course they weren't. They were never ready. They weren't even supposed to be first round picks. Cleveland Farrell was supposed to, but he was supposed to go 15 to 20. Uh, so uh, I, I don't know what they do. I, I like the idea that Notre Dame uh, linebacker who you're talking about, I believe that Raiders should pick, although uh, his name, it does escape me. It's a very weird name. I don't even know if I'd know how to pronounce it if I had it in front of me. Uh, he's uh, a very It's not Carlo Calabrese, is it? No, it's some. I think it starts with an O or something like that. But uh, he's undersized. He's essentially a, a safety playing the linebacker position. Some the Raiders have oh, no okay. coverage. Okay, Jeremiah Owosu Komorai. Yeah, right? so that guy. That's your, your attempt is probably ten times better than mine would have ever <laughs> been. Uh, the other name I'm hoping to see there is Queedy Pay. I'm a huge fan of that guy. Uh, I think he has extreme explosiveness. The Raiders have absolutely no talent on the outside. Max Crosby is our best player, but he's he's not a pro bowler, nor is he. He's one of the worst uh, run defender at the defensive end position that I've ever seen in my life. Uh, so they're going to have to spend every, almost every draft pick they have uh, when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. The only thing I'm worried about is that the, Mike Mayock is the worst GM in the NFL, and I think even if Devontae Smith is there available at the 17th pick, they should trade him. Like, I actually agree that they could trade down, but if they don't, ignore it. If Quiddy Pay is there, if uh, the other, if the, the linebacker of Notre Dame is there, they have to take him at the 17th pick. They cannot continue to ignore the the uh, defensive side of the ball for the past 18 years. It would crush me, and I know they'll do it. That's Spencer the Wiz. Follow him on Twitter at Spencer the Wiz. Spence, uh, I want to really jump into NBA. It was quite the night in the association tonight, but of course, the big sports news today: Tiger Woods involved in an accident earlier this afternoon, I believe, in Los Angeles in the hospital, surgeries on his legs. We don't know completely all the details, I don't believe yet. Brian Bravo here on the chat has been trying to give me updates on what's going on. Uh, seems uh, seatbelt, airbag saved his life, which is incredible. I don't know the details. It seems like he hit a median and flipped over. That could have been a numerous amount of things that caused him to be distracted and run over that median. It, it could have been texting. It could have been anything. I don't want to speculate too much. It's not fair to do that. Uh, of course, the sports community, Tiger Woods' family has to be relieved uh, that he's not fighting for his life, as we know right now. Uh, but two legs severely broken and probably some more injuries. Man, this is, Spence, this is wild. We we didn't, I would love to have talked more to Mike Pritchard about just the depth of the athletes we've lost too young. And go back to last year with Kobe, uh, Vincent Jackson, most recently. The list is so long, Spence. And I can't imagine the sports community mourning the loss if it would have happened today of Tiger Woods. 
what that would have been like on sports airwaves with what's going on in this country with COVID with us still in the middle of pretty much being handcuffed to what the government tells us to do. This impact would have been numbing if it would have been life threatening to Tiger Woods, especially most recently we saw Tiger with his son, Charlie at one of the pro-am events or whatever, playing great golf and Tiger who most recently in the last few years did win another major at the Masters, so he wasn't completely done. Still not playing as consistent as he would have liked. But Spencer, this this is a, a insane story. It's like wow, you just don't know how to wrap your mind around some of this stuff. And literally, life as we know it's been on hold for a year, and we continue to get news that is like earth shattering, shocking. And just puts people in disbelief. I mean, what were your thoughts when you first heard about this today? I didn't hear about it till later in the afternoon. But man, it's just like it's just numbing. Yeah, uh, life is uh, very precious. We only get one life, unfortunately. And I know that we see celebrities in a certain light, or some people do, where they see them like almost to a godly level. But uh, as we learned, you know, earlier, not this year, but last year, uh, Kobe Bryant's death, like. It can happen at any point. Now, well, you know, people die of helicopter crashes, probably not. But just the idea that these guys uh, could die at any point in time. Car crashes are one of the most common forms of death in the United States. Again, all we know about the situation is that he was speeding. Uh, we're, it's obviously very fortunate, fortunate that he is uh, okay. You hope that he wasn't doing anything bad. Uh, but, you know, if there's any good takeaway, I guess, from this is that his seatbelt did probably save his life. That's the takeaway I took from it. Uh, it's kind of an ill-forgotten thing. It's kind of one of those messages that you see in commercials every couple of years to remind people. Uh, but hopefully something like this, you know, if it can create some positive where people realize how important it is to do stuff like that. Uh, I couldn't imagine, you know, losing him, of course. Uh, you know, I, I'm just a golf fan, but he, he's transcended the, the game of golf. And sure, he, he's had some dark times in his life, but we all have. You know, it's just just because we're not on TMZ, we just don't know about it. That's kind of how I feel. Uh, I, I think everybody uh, is worth redeeming. I think he's worked really hard to get back to where he was. And his Masters run the last time that he won was one of the greatest in sports history, in my opinion. Uh, but again, like the, the biggest takeaway is that Tiger will be OK. We'll never know if he'll play golf again, depending on how severe those leg injuries are. And we already know that he's had like five back surgeries. It would suck if he was forced to retire this way, but maybe it was, you know, the guy upstairs way of telling him that it's time for you to, to put it down because maybe something worse could have happened down the road. Who knows? Yeah. And of course we'll monitor more details of this story. Tiger Woods in a severe car accident in Los Angeles this morning, broken two legs in surgery. And of course we all have our best witches for Tiger. And it's been so hard to even keep up with all the unfortunate situations. I mean, I didn't even talk about it. I, on Thursday. I'm going to have a little bit of a reg, uh, wrestling segment. Of course, I'm a big wrestling mark, so you want to stay tuned for that. But uh, Luke Harper, uh, John uh, Brody, Brody Lee passed away, a wrestler under 40 years old or, or at 40 years old a couple months ago. I mean, Spence, the list is just so long of people that have died too young. Steve McNair in the past. I mean, there's, there's just so many, not enough to name. Uh, Ryan Leaf came out. Uh, and I believe with with Yahoo and talked about the Shield doesn't care about its players. It, it needs to do more with mental health. And a lot of players were outspoken on Twitter 
talking about how big an issue this is. Former NBA player Ben Gordon on the uh, Athletes' Tribune put a huge article on his own struggle with mental illness. We know Royce White. I mean, the the list is so long, Spence. And I, I, I believe it's a huge issue that should be mandatory for any corporation to do vetting before they bring an employee in. Not only do the vetting, but have a deep conversation with every employee about this subject and about resources available if there's something that they're personally dealing with, uh, with their mental, spiritual relationship life. I think it's vital. I think we're not doing enough as a country. We've got we've got sick people on the streets, in workplaces, in homes, and it's contributing uh, to society's detriment and divide. And I, I think it's very unfortunate and it's sad that we're not doing more on a corporate level. And I, I think it should be mandatory in the workplace to have some type of course, some type of resources that's reaffirmed to the people in the workplace on a weekly basis. Uh, I know a lot of places, Spencer, when you go into work, whether it's restaurants, hotels, they have like kind of pre-shift meetings or, or little gatherings, group gatherings. I think that should be mandatory. And I think this should be discussed every day. And it doesn't. People talk about it and they skip over it. And I think it's super unfortunate. So many people out there feel alone and they feel like they don't have the outlet Uh, to express what they're going through inside or what they're going through externally that they don't know how to process internally. And I think we need to step up and do a better job. It starts with the same way that people get out on the streets and they protest uh, Black Lives Matter or they protest their political affiliation. We should be protesting that corporations mandatory take the mental health and, and and the livelihood of their employees very seriously. And, and it's unfortunate because we're treated as people just like another number, another statistic, and it, it makes people feel worthless at times. And this is a serious issue in this country. And I think if it started in corporate America and it trickled down to the schools, I think we'd see such an impactful change for the positive in communities, impoverished communities, in all communities, because it's not just the poverty stricken communities that deal with this issue. It's people with lots of money, with lots of power. Uh, Dennis Rodman comes to mind as somebody years ago who had some serious struggles. You know, Um, it's something that goes on And you would never know, Spence, people you talk to that sound uh, just like the most happy, positive people are going through stuff. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about this in my personal correlation to where I'm at in life to this subject on Thursday show. And I'm excited to get into that. And I know I'm a little long winded with this, Spence, but it's something I'm really passionate about because it's really sad to see uh, our fellow, fellow brothers and sisters continue to lose their lives and continue to struggle and feel like they don't have any support. Yeah, even in our own CCSD, I think it's called the Clark County School District. Uh, we've had more like teen kid suicides uh, than I think any other county in the country. So there's always more that we can do uh, where there's always more that businesses can do to give people resources, to help them be aware of resources. Uh, It's also even a more complex issue than that. Some people don't talk to anybody when they're going through a depression. So as much as I do agree with you and that there should be more talk amongst, you know, businesses and schools about this, there's also a lot of stuff that we can do as individuals to help impact the uh, mental health crisis that's going on in this country. Cause I believe there is one. Uh, 
for example, you know, like, like I said, not a lot of everyone, not everyone talks about it. I went through some really dark times and uh, I didn't talk to anyone about it and it only made it worse. Now I know it's like, oh, how would, how could you possibly have helped someone like me who didn't talk about it? But, uh, you know, if someone had maybe like touched me on the shoulder, even if I wasn't showing any signs of depression at the time, because I was pretty good at hiding it. Uh, someone had just straight up asked me to my face, like, how are you doing? Like, are you feeling down right now? Like, what are you going through? You never know. I may have broken down. So I always like to look at issues like these um, from a standpoint of what we can do right now. Uh, you know, protesting on the street would definitely be a one way to do it. Uh, but just even in your own home or your own friend circle, sit down with somebody and just have a quick chat with them. You know, ask them straight up. Are you th going through depression? Are you thinking about doing stuff to yourself? Uh, we as like, especially because I think we have the biggest advantage, right? When I say we, I mean, amongst our friends and family, when someone acts even slightly different, we'll probably notice it more than anyone else. Uh, and like, that is the dip, like some random person on the street, you probably wouldn't know if they're acting kind of funky. Mm. Uh, but if your best friend in the world was doing some slightly off stuff, it could be any number of reasons. Just ask them about it and, and have that dialogue. Uh, and then maybe if you can't help them with their issues, you can direct them towards someone that does. You know, there there are a lot of uh, therapy options out there. I know at UNLV, there's a uh, free therapy as long as you're enrolled in school, which is awesome. I know schools have counselors, but you also have to remember that a lot of these things are very delicate. Not every therapist you go to is going to help you. Uh, so I think it's important for also people for people to realize that it's going to be a long process before you find the right uh, personnel to put around you to help you go through your depression. And that it's not if your therapist is awful, isn't very good at their job, that it's not your fault. So as much as we I would like this to be a one plus one equals two situation, uh, it's actually some sort of like crazy theory. Uh, mathematical problem that takes a lot of going into and we just have to try to make it better for ourselves and for our friends every day and that's spencer the Wiz. follow him on twitter at spencer the Wiz. if you miss any part of the rest stop we do go live every tuesday and thursday nine o'clock pacific time and you can download the twitch app or you can go to www.twitch.tv. We would appreciate the support on there, slash Chris Landry Football. And, of course, the audio version of the rest stop you could check out on any of the podcasting platforms, whether it's Spotify, Google Podcasts, Audio Boom, um, iTunes, whatever. Make sure you give us a like, subscribe, support. And, of course, my personal YouTube channel, at Brad the Believer or Brad the Believer, searched on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe and like. Uh, Spence, I really appreciate what you added to that conversation there. Uh, and I think I think Mike said it well as well, talking about sitting down with friends. And really, like you said, you can kind of tell with the body language and, and with some of the eye contact and with certain tells and cues of friends and family, what they could or maybe are going through. Uh, and you mentioned the delicacy of the topic, and it's really something to look through and study when you're wanting to know the right way to approach somebody that you may be thinking dealing with that. So utilize the resources we have at our disposal to gather information, whether it's YouTube videos or certain type of uh, websites. Or you, Spence, you mentioned the possible uh, therapy that's offered for students at UNLV. So if anybody's listening right now or they see this podcast and listen to that, please uh, there's also great avenues with friends and family, Twitter, people post stuff all the time, you know, reach out to anybody and, and, you know, let's just have the conversation. Let's continue the conversation. We will on this show and hopefully more corporations, more teams, more communities will also make this more of a priority than it is right now. Spence, let's transition over 
to the association. The NBA was fantastic tonight. Uh, I don't only want to hit tonight's games, but I'd like to hit some games from over the weekend and then yesterday as well. But we've got to start off with tonight because uh, the game of the night was the primetime game, in my opinion, and it was on TNT. The first game on TNT tonight had the Dallas Mavericks and Luka Doncic taking on Jason Tatum and the Boston Celtics. The Celtics blew uh, a huge double-digit lead over the weekend to the New Orleans Pelicans. And tonight it was back and forth over 25 lead changes. And Luka Doncic was clutch with the last two possessions, hitting two super deep threes in the last one with the game tied at 107, Spence. Gave Dallas the commanding and the winning lead, 110-107 with .1 left. Doncic was fantastic in those last two possessions. He finished the game with 31, 10 rebounds, and 8 assists, and those weren't easy step-back threes that he made. Those were huge, but they were all net, and this guy just continues to amaze and and being a clutch performer. Yeah, so there's this is a multifaceted game with a lot of storylines, actually. So the Mavericks, of course, started off really bad, and there was a lot of criticism for the Mavericks actually – you know, Luka Doncic getting that shooting guard position for the all-star game in the starter position. Uh, but tonight he proved that there's Damian Lillard did, deserved to be anywhere near him uh, in this spot, just considering it, at least uh, to me. So I actually thought about this when I was watching the game. You always have, like, you can have great teams, like probably like even the Utah Jazz one might be a good example of all around, probably the most team-oriented uh talented but at the end of the day because you can game plan but you can't game plan for those last two shots players that are above and beyond the rest of them like i.e lebron james they do stuff that you can't plan for lebron james recently has been doing those very deep threes when luka Doncic hits two shots like that that could be it that could be the end of the series for a utah jazz not because they did anything wrong the Celtics did nothing wrong those last two possessions in fact they played incredible defense the first shot over daniel tice i mean jalen brown was fighting through screens he forced him to pass it back out and then he just hits it so those unexplainable shots those above all else superstars are at the end of the day, make some of the biggest difference in the world. And most of the time they end up winning championships. And that's why teams like the Utah Jazz don't. And Spencer the Wiz, uh, I would have had a very healthy paying sports ticket tonight. If it weren't for the late game in LA, I had the Mavericks money line and I went ahead and took the Clippers under and I had no shot as it was one of the highest scoring games of the night. 135-116, the Clippers win and cover, but the game goes over the total that I had at 233.5, closed around 236.5. And here's part of that reason, Spencer the Wiz. Uh, from the three-point line, the Washington Wizards were 11 of 20, 55%, 53.5% from the field, 47 of 88, and that's the losing team. The winning Clippers were 50% from the three-point line, 19 of 38 and 57% from the floor, 54 of 94. Paul George had 30 points and was 11 of 17 from the field, 6 of 7 from 3. I mean, can I catch a freaking break here, Spencer the Wiz? These guys shoot their best freaking game of the year. I mean, there's no freaking defense going on in this game. I mean, I just needed under 234, Spence, and I could not get there. And that's with two 20-point quarters from the Washington Wizards. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you why I stayed away from the game. And it's because I watched that full Brooklyn Nets Clippers game, a game that the Clippers had zero 
zero, zero business losing. And I think that that really upset them the wrong way. I think they saw a Wizards team that was feeling all high and mighty after beating the Lakers in overtime. And they just went out there and they got their revenge because you, you just can't lose to the to the Nets without uh, Kevin Durant. Their team was way too thin. And surprisingly, they cut like every guy who they just signed. Andre Robertson, uh, Iman Shumpert were also let go today. The, the speaking of Brooklyn for just half a second, they apparently they seem to think that they have it all figured out. And maybe signing those free agents was the spark that uh, changed everything for them. I'm not sure, but the Clippers uh, are, are up and down right now. You know, they had a, a great win against the Utah jazz the other night, kind of signaling that they, the Utah jazz are not the best team in the West. I think those breaks need to be pumped just a little bit, not that they're bad and not that they'll get bounced in the first round, uh, but I think the Clippers and Lakers still hold that top spot. And, you know, the Clippers sometimes get hot. They have, like, the most talented roster in the league outside of the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Spence, in a rematch of a game over the weekend, or actually a couple days ago, the Raptors won the first meeting. The Sixers get the rematch tonight in Tampa. They beat the Raptors 109-102. Tobias Harris had 23 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists for Philadelphia. The Golden State Warriors won 114-106 over the Knicks tonight, led by Steph Curry's 37 points. Your mention of the Brooklyn Nets, Spence, James Harden, another triple-double, 29 points, 11 rebounds, 14 assists. He's starting to move himself into the MVP conversation, and the Nets, they win again, 127-118 over the Kings. Spence, did you see any of this game tonight? Your guy, Tyrese Halliburton, 23 points, 9 assists, 5 rebounds, and a loss for the Kings. Yeah, my, my buddy Hill to the Grizzlies pick is is growing uh, every single day, hoping for that Kyle Anderson, Dylan Brooks swap because they can't ignore Tyrese Halliburton forever, and I don't think they're going to trade Fox. I think they'd be much – well, they just signed him to a massive extension, so that's definitely not going to happen. I think Buddy Hill will be moved. Now, personally, as a Memphis Grizzlies fan, I would love to see him go there, uh, but I, I think obviously he can go just about anywhere else on it. But I do think the Grizzlies have some nice assets, and it would be a huge piece to their team. They just, first of all, they have, I don't I'm trying to go down now. Like, who could be a worse head coach in the league? Uh, well, Saunders just got fired, you know, for the Timberwolves. So I think he's, uh, you know, he can't be on the list anymore. I really think Luke Walton might be the worst head coach in the NBA right now. They're mm. not moving the needle at all with him. At, at Why he's still a part of the team, I have no idea. They're going to continue to sink. They they show up in spots. That's because they have an extremely talented roster. I actually like them from top to bottom outside of Marvin Bagley, who is uh, just not a very good basketball player. But other than that, when you go down the list, Harrison Barnes, I think, is a very serviceable, serviceable small forward. De'Aaron Fox, we know, is a borderline all-star. Buddy Heald takes some horrible shots, and I think he needs a strong head coach to kind of steer him uh, you know, back towards the light. I, I don't know why he has such a free reign, and maybe a coach firing would change that. I'm not sure. Uh, they just have a lot of work to do, and it starts. You know, they had Vladi Divac as their uh, general manager for a long time, and he, of course, ruined their franchise for the for the next twenty years by not drafting Luka Doncic. And I still think they're trying to recover from that. They've made some really nice moves, but they got to continue to move forward with this new regime if they want any success. This was an easy spot to bet on on the uh, Nets because I don't even think uh, the Kings have it in, in them to beat them. I think they did earlier in the season, like very early on. It might have even been before the. Uh, James Harden trade. So I like to fade against them uh, very often, actually. They're one of my favorite teams to bet against because for some reason they get short lines. Spence, the late primetime game on TNT had the Nuggets taking care of the, the Trailblazers 111 106. 
Your guy, Dame Lillard, 25 points, 13 assists, 7 rebounds. But Nikola Jokic, 41 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, led the Nuggets tonight. Nuggets improved to 17 and 14 on the year. The Blazers, they're still five games above 500 at 18 and 13 on the year. It's impressive, honestly, that they're above 500 and they're above 500 as much as they are. Now, they have a pretty decent team from top to bottom, that's for sure. Uh, you know, Damian Lillard's just having one of those seasons again, uh, being just as successful as he has been, if not maybe one of his best seasons, he's be considered for MVP. Uh, but for me, the real MVP is Nikola Jokic right now, as long as they can get within a top four seed, there's no way you can justify putting anyone over him, uh, the way he's impacting the game, because most valuable player, it doesn't mean the, the best stats to me. I mean, I don't have a vote for MVP. Unfortunately, I hope to one day as a media member. But uh, you want to talk about value and most value. Jokic is the only reason that team wins any basketball games because Jamal Murray isn't even playing well this year. He's had a 50-point performance this year. Now he's another 40 here. His assist ratio, it's just stuff we're not seeing out of the center position. Uh, almost like a Marcus Saul, but if Marcus Saul, like at the very end of his tenure with the Grizzlies, was Marcus Saul's best years, technically speaking, when he started shooting threes at a fairly decent rate. So if you take Marcus Saul and you rewind time 10 years at that skill level, that's what we're seeing out of Jokic now. So in my mind, this is nothing we've ever seen. Out of the power forward position, you could say Dirk, although he wasn't nearly as good of a passer. So this is a unique player doing unique things. And I think they, as long as Jamal Murray remembers how to play basketball, which I think he will eventually, they are actually a legit threat because... In my mind, the reason they've lost in years past is because Jokic hasn't had the juice. He seems like he stepped up his game, and maybe he actually does have that now. I think he's already hit a game winner this year. It seems like he's really looking to make a difference and uh, was upset about the way they went out last year. Spence, I want to talk about a couple games over the weekend, and I want to start off on Friday as I had a ticket on the Pelicans. And the Pelicans, we've talked about, they're just – such a disaster, and I can't understand it. Lonzo Ball is having a career year. He is shooting the ball as good as he's ever shot it from three. We're talking close to 40%. The Pelicans are only 12 and 17 on the year. They were up by 11 most of the game against the Phoenix Suns on Friday. They're outscored 41 to 12 in the fourth quarter, and they give up an epic collapse, and they lose by almost 15 points. What the hell is going on Why you're up 11 points from – pretty much wire to wire. And then in the fourth quarter, you're outscored 41 to 12. Uh, well, we, we've talked about it. And it's to me, it comes down to one thing. Blowing leads like that doesn't happen when you have a real leader in the locker room, someone to rally behind. Uh, Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams on paper were awesome additions, although I never liked Steven Adams because I feel like Zion Williamson has to play with spacers all around him, including at the center position. Uh, but Zion isn't, I mean, he he's a celebrity. He isn't, someone who's ever going to lead a team like LeBron James. I hate that he gets compared to LeBron James for a multitude of reasons. The only argument I'll accept is just athletic, raw athletic ability alone. But other than that, his teammates don't seem to care about him too much. He seems to be doing his own thing a lot. And we know he was a celebrity since he was in high school. He's like a billion gajillion followers because of the way he dunked. Uh, But the fact that they can't use him for passing, like his offense is get the ball at the top of the key and take his guy on. Now, he's very good and very efficient at scoring the basketball. And you could say the same thing about Giannis Antetokounmpo in my mind. Like Giannis scores a bunch of points, but in the half-court sets at the very end of the game, he's a liability. That's it. That's at the end of the day. Uh, I think you can go to him, but defensively, I think he gets lost on pick and rolls. I think Brandon Ingram should be the leader of that team, but he's a silent type. He's the Kawhi Leonard type, like I've said before. 
uh, and they've lost they lost Drew Holiday. That probably was the guy who was going to keep it all together for him, and they traded him away. Uh, so this is what they're left with now, and they also have a head coach who I don't think should be head coach in the NBA, but that's their fault. They're going to have to stick with him for at least two years before firing firing him, which eventually they will do. And I think he will survive another year because it's you know it looks bad on your uh, franchise for firing a guy two seasons in. Uh, so this is a this is a mess that they have uh, made for themselves. Spence, I want to go to this past Saturday's card, in which was, in my opinion, the craziest game of the day. The Charlotte Hornets beating the Golden State Warriors 102-100. The Warriors had this game in command, and a Draymond Green technical with hardly any time left allowed the Hornets to tie the game and then have the last possession, and it was a fourth quarter led by Terry Rozier, and he was incredible. Hit the game-winning shot in the fourth quarter. He had 36 points with 12 and 19 from the field and 8-11 from three, and the Hornets got the upset in improbable fashion due to the collapse mostly of Draymond Green. Yeah, Draymond is just a buffoon, and I think it's starting to really annoy Steph Curry. Steph Curry didn't play in that game because of sickness that happened 30 minutes before. It was really great to look at my ticket and see that I bet the Warriors in that morning and then found out that Steph Curry wasn't playing about 30 minutes before. Actually thought that ticket could have been a winner. But the thing is with Draymond Green is that it works when you have a complete team, when you have Clay Thompson hitting threes all the time, because he's a trash talker. That's, that is his MO. He gets in people's faces. He gets technical fouls. But when you're, not a, when you're on a team that's very young and that needs him desperately, the whole antic part of it is just killing this i mean what are the young guys supposed to say they're not gonna uh, you know go up and wrap him up and quiet him down because they've only been in the league a couple of years and they don't want to talk to a veteran like Draymond green especially they know that he'll fight back for you so if only he had the wherewithal to know that he has to adjust his little play style until clay and steph come back then uh, you know they would be a much more successful team because i like Draymond green i think he does all the right things i think he's a decent three-point shooter when he wants to be He's obviously the point guard of that team because Steph can't run an offense, nothing against Steph. That's just the way he plays. Uh, so he's the key to the to their success and their failure. And right now, he is driving them straight into failure lake. That's Spencer the Wiz. Follow him on Twitter at Spencer the Wiz. Any final thoughts before we sign off tonight, Spence? Uh, no, it's about all I got. Be sure to, to do an, a random act of kindness. That's what I said on my show Friday. I'm trying to keep that trend. Do a random act of kindness this week. Uh, for anybody that you know, and then do something nice for yourself. There you go. And Spencer's show that he's referring to every Friday night, check out Delivering Sports with Spencer the Wiz. He's the host of that show. It's on KSHP 1400 here locally in Las Vegas, 7 o'clock Pacific time. Make sure you tune in and Spencer Spencer's YouTube channel, Blue Milk Boys Gaming. And if you miss any part of the rest stop, check out the audio podcast version of the show on any podcast platforms, Landry, Football, conference call make sure you turn back into the show on thursday i'm gonna have braxton selvey joining the show we're gonna talk some wrestling so make sure you stay tuned and a little church with the believer so you don't want to miss that tune back in thursday nine o'clock pacific time the rest stop for spencer the whiz i'm brad the believer i want to thank mike pritchard thanks Spencer the whiz for all his work we'll see you guys back here on thursday have a great night everyone with Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.